social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Coming in hot off the holiday weekend. Yeah, I was gonna say holiday weekend where we didn't really get to travel. Nope. But a lot of backyard time spent outside. You know, people finding new ways to celebrate. I know. So today we're going to start with the stat, which is actually travel related. Nice. Um, and it's from the U.S. Travel Association, which they've been doing an ongoing biweekly survey on whether Americans are willing to jumpstart their business or leisure travel plans again. Interesting. And they found that more than 68% of U.S. residents said they'd feel safest traveling in their personal cars compared to 12% who indicated they'd feel safe on an international trip. I love road trips. All here to support a good coast-to-coast drive. The return of the road trip. Where would you go? You know, I've never been to the Grand Canyon. I went when I was a kid, but I don't really remember it, so I would go back. Yeah. Thinking of you going as a kid, did you use MapQuest printouts to get you there? Yes. When I drove to college from Las Vegas Uh to Eugene, Oregon, my mom was afraid that my phone would die. And so she printed out like hundreds of pages of MapQuest directions so I could get there. Yeah. That's how I used to get to the beach, like in Connecticut as a kid. I I don't know what we did before MapQuest and Google Maps. Well, I actually want to bring attention to something that I think is weirdly fitting in this conversation. It's about the old app icons Mm -hmm. on our phones. You know when like the iPhone or Android like first came out and you started to download all those fun apps. I mean like everything we know, Facebook, Well, even Instagram Instagram was so retro. Well, that's what I want to say is like, do you remember what the old Instagram icon looked like? It was less colorful than the one now. And it was like an actual camera, right? Like Mm -hmm. a Polaroid camera? Exactly. But it's just funny thinking about like the Google Maps icon has changed. Mm -hmm. The Spotify icon has changed. Do you remember when everyone freaked out about the Spotify green? No. Oh my goodness. They changed the hex code of their green color on the app. And it no longer like had a good feng shui with the rest of the apps on the iPhone user interface. (laughs) And people were lit up about it. Huh. I was not part of that lit up group but well what other ones do you remember i feel like every time a a company has a rebrand there's like some sort of a riot yeah of course (laughs) i mean the biggest one i can remember is snapchat when they took the face off the ghost right Um, class pass was a hard one for me to get used to class pass was a big one there's a lot of them that just kind of like shift colors or remove a lot of the detail from their icons. I was going to say, a lot of them have more like texture now. Oh my like God. Like the gradients. Wait, yes. Thank you for bringing up the gradient thing. That's a huge change from the original icons to now. Anyway, I know we got off on a tangent, but there's this company that I've been following for a while now. I think it's pronounced Mischief, M-S-C-H-F. Oh, that was who did the um the pizza drop. Yes. I knew you would know or what the, it was. Was it tacos or pizza? I remember it, everyone in the office, we were trying to text yes. this number to get free tacos. food delivered. Was yes. it tacos? Yes. And they had like the Jesus Nikes. Yes. Anyway, this this company has coined themselves like the Banksy of the internet. Mm-hmm. And every two weeks they've been dropping this new tool or program or 
I don't know. It's like really interesting when you read about them. Yeah. Um, they're based in Brooklyn. But they're the ones who sparked this idea about looking into the old app icons mm-hmm. because their newest drop is that you can download the old icons to your phone. So it looks a little vintage. I wonder how you get that to work. I have absolutely no idea. I haven't <laughs> tried to it try out. It. Okay, we talked about Spotify already. But they are honestly one of my favorite social networks because mm-hmm. I love being able to see what other people are listening Same. to. And now that they've launched those curated playlists, like, you know, I love the Daily Drive. The ones that are like for you, Discover Mm -hmm. Weekly. I love them. I love them so much. But most recently, they announced two new updates. They have group sessions and playlists are now never ending. Okay, I want to talk about group sessions. Sure. Because I feel like when you try to get people to create a playlist with you before an event, like no one does it until they're in that moment moment. and then everyone's asking you to play a song yeah all of a sudden they have opinions (laughs) (laughs) um but I feel like with group sessions right you can give anyone access to add to the queue correct so it's not like a collaborative playlist option where you can just you know multiple users can add songs Mm -hmm. it's more about real time like allowing them to move things up in the queue skip songs I can anticipate there's some weird trolling that might happen. I was going to say, I wonder, yeah. But I think there's a lot of potential there. I wonder if there's anything about being remote and being able to listen to music together and control it, but probably not because of the account settings, right? Yes. So as far as it stands right now, you have to be on the same Wi-Fi family type of network to use the tool. Um, But we'll see. I think there's a lot of potential for, for cool innovation there. Have you ever thought that your Spotify data is skewed because your parents also use your Spotify? Well, no. However, once I got my year in review and the top five were like Shawn Mendes, Taylor Swift, (laughs) etc., I did find it hard to believe that that was me. But I think that was just a personal reflection that needed to happen. (laughs) Well, I know... We talk about how much we love the Spotify year in review campaigns as mm-hmm. a whole. I'm so into the consumer data. Same. And I love that they've publicized it in such a fun way. So we actually talk a lot about data in this episode. Yeah. So today we talk with Paige McCrensky, who is the VP of Sales Marketing and Brand Communications at Getty. And she tells us a lot about the thoughtfulness and the data that goes into how Getty builds these massive libraries of photo and video assets. I found it so interesting how much curation really goes into building a platform like Getty Images or really any of their other subsidiaries like iStock or or anything else Mm -hmm. like that. Um, There's just so much more there than the normal consumer would think. Totally. And I think... A big takeaway from this episode is that the way we choose the visuals that we show in our media is just as important as how they're choosing what to upload to Getty. For sure. Let's not spoil it for everyone. Let's get started. (laughs) Hi. Hi, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Are you ready for the social media speed round? I think so. (laughs) No pressure. No No pressure. pressure. All right. Okay, first up is favorite social network. It's Instagram, but lately it's been a lot of TikTok. Mm -hmm. Popular answer. Yep. (laughs) What is your go-to emoji? It has to be the kissy face emoji. 
Yes, a classic. What about Twitter or TikTok? We probably already know the answer. <laughs> okay, stories or feed? I love the stories, but I don't post the stories. I like to look at the stories. Mm -hmm. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of? Oh my goodness. It's almost embarrassing to admit this one, but it's all the detox teas. And yes. <laughs> okay. How about your favorite meme? Um, I've been so TikTok basic too. It's anything that has to do with making fun of a little kid. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> the little kids or the pet ones. Yeah. Okay. This is our favorite question. It's 2005 and you're on MySpace. Who's number one on your top eight? I'm going to so greatly disappoint you because I don't think I was ever even on MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good thing that you were never on MySpace. There's some embarrassing stuff up still probably of me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Paige, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background before we get into the interview. So if you could just kind of give us you know, in 30 seconds, your career trajectory and how you've got to where you are at Getty. Sure, sure. So I have been at Getty Images for a little over three years, and I oversee uh, marketing and brand communication for the Americas. And um, I just, I love being here. It's been like accumulation of all the wonderful things I've done in my career. So mm. I started out um, on the ad agency side. So after graduating college, my first interview was with an ad agency, um, and I got it, and I took it. And what was fabulous about that job is I um, I rotated and I worked in every department for mm -hmm. like three months. And I think that was such a gift to kind of get that perspective. Absolutely. Um, and I worked in the agency side for quite a few years. I was on the account management side, worked on some great campaigns with great brands, Maxwell House and Dove and American Express, um, Made in Form Bras, you name it, I worked on it. Mm -hmm. um, but one of my favorite brands that I worked on that we did from a really just to do great creative was um, at the time, now I'm really dating myself as American Express Publishing. So I worked on Travel and Leisure Magazine. And wow, that's a throwback for sure. Magazine. It yeah. Exactly. Um, and then I ended up jumping ship and going to work for Travel and Leisure Magazine. Wow. So that was that was a lot of fun. And I worked in the publishing side of the business for for a long time at Time Inc. Again, a brand that um, doesn't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> I also worked at um, American Express Publishing and Bloomberg and um, and then some digital startups and kind of made my way to getting images. Um, and I've always been a marketer that um, loves creative, loves data and insights and storytelling. And really, I think because I worked at Ogilvy for so long, too, it's always about the importance of the consumer yeah. and the brand. And that's very much how I market today. And, and being at Getting Images has kind of merged them all together to have a great brand that's all about storytelling. And, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, it feels like the perfect mashup of all of those things. Like kind of in looking at your LinkedIn, I feel like I wouldn't have put that all together. But hearing you explain it, it really kind of meshes very nicely, all of your different experiences. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, everybody has to have an open mind because, you know, sometimes you go into a situation and then you don't realize how you can evolve and change that to mm -hmm. be everything um, that you desire that brings your past experiences and what you really enjoy mm -hmm. doing together. Um, and it's always keeping that open mind. But it is, it's, you know, it's a, it, it's a great experience. And I really love what I do every day. And the people that I work with are amazing. 
say, so you've been there over three years now. What is the best part of your job? What is keeping you there and makes you excited to come to work? You know, I think it's a lot of what we're doing in the diversity and inclusion space, I feel mm-hmm. is really making a difference. In fact, I had a, a call just before this um, talking about DNI and breaking stereotypes and, and really making a change. And I think feel like right now visuals are the new global language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it really has such impact. And what I love about Getty is we we take that seriously. We feel like we have a responsibility to um, make a difference. If you change, you can change perceptions with changing images. And being able to work across that with so many different brands and then our internal creative teams is really invigorating. And then to talk to other brands that are like, yes, you know, we want to do this too. Can you help us? And what does that mean? I think it's been fulfilling both professionally and personally. I worked on a big campaign um, with Dove called Project mm-hmm. Show Us. Yeah, yes. we were going to ask you about that. Yeah, good. tell us. Good. <laughs> so, um, so this was something we worked on with um, Sapient Music Fish was the agency. Um, I think they're now Publicis Sapien. I think they've changed their name since we did it. And we worked <laughs> with um, the Dove team and uh, Girl Gaze, which is a network of female and female identifying photographers. And I, we had a meeting a, a couple of years ago uh, at Sapient with Dove. And they said, listen, we really want to change stereotypes of how women are perceived mm-hmm. in media. And um, I was in this meeting with our CEO and um, a few other people and we're like, yeah, we're in, we don't know how we're going to do it, but you know, count us in. And it took about a year to come together, but wow, yeah, it was really, really satisfying. But basically what we did is we looked at stereotypes across 59 different markets. So for example, when you go to India and you see what's popular in media and you look at um, advertising, you see a lot of very fair women represented, very thin, fair women. But when you mm-hmm. look at the demographic of actually India, I feel it's much more diverse and that wasn't really being represented in media. So we looked at those stereotypes and we um, shot 100% with female and female identifying photographers, which is really interesting because most of content being created is being created by men. Right. So, so men are kind of dictating what beauty looks like Yeah. Um, through their perspective. So this was 100% um, shot by female and female identifying photographers. We didn't shoot models. These were real women. They were 100% um, natural. They were not retouched at all. True women as they are, like it would be your neighbor or mm-hmm. your, your mother or your, your friend um, and representing that. And we created, we launched with over 5,000 images. That's amazing. And it was really, I know, I know. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell? Um, yeah, it sounds like you're smiling on the other end. I so. am, I am. <laughs> and what was really fun is the women um, tagged themselves. So the way that it works in stock imagery and with photographers, when a photographer takes a a picture, they tag it. So they would look right. at me, and I know you guys can't see me, but they'd look at me and they'd be like, short, brunette, mom, physical things. But when we asked the women to tag themselves, they tagged things like badass and empowering or queer or whatever that was. And it was a really a lesson for us as an industry, but really how we define ourselves and define beauty. I'm thinking about when I'm like looking for a stock image and those like immediate words that pop in your head and you search. And I feel like a lot of the times I try to think of generic things just to get a wide variety, variety of options. Yeah. Like yeah. hearing you say this, it's like, no, like, yes, that's what I want. Badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
and it was so popular. Um, but what brings it full circle, if you ask, like, what I'm proud of is my daughter was on her Instagram feed, and it came up, and she screenshot <gasps> it and sent it to me. And I think, you know, being at Getty, what makes me proud and happy to be there is that I have three daughters, and they related, and it, it meant something to them. And that she sent that to me, I'm like, right. oh. And I sent it to, to my my colleagues at Dove. I'm like, look at this. Now we've got my daughter, like, excited and, and relating to this. That's so amazing. I got chills listening to you say that. <laughs> As marketers, I'm, and maybe, you know, personally, we know how important it is to de- depict these authentic representations of women. And this concept isn't new. Dove does a great job at it. But every year, we seem to see like a headline of a brand <laughs> that screwed it up and was so blind and tone deaf. Yeah. And it's still shocking. Like, what do you think is missing and what needs to happen to ensure that we're being like more inclusive and real. Yeah, I mean, we need to bring more people around the table to have a voice. Um, you know, we all have our innate biases and sometimes we're blind to it and we need to make mm-hmm. sure that we're surrounding ourselves with and being inclusive. And, you know, if there's not another seat at the table, you pull up a chair. But we have to have that diversity, um, especially as women around the table of, you know, celebrating and bringing each other up. I mean, I was working on a presentation. I realized I had so many pictures of kids in it. So I was talking about our disability collection. I was talking about Latinx and the Hispanic market. And every page was filled with kids because it it brought me joy. Like I images that I related to and I'm a mom. It was my bias coming through, Mm. really not showing the inclusiveness that I wanted to show up when I was talking about disability because I was just focusing or or Latinx. I was focusing on the images that meant something to me. So now I'm very conscious of it. And I think with some of those brands that get it wrong, they had the best of intentions. um, But did they, you know, are they just talking to the same people over and over again? Right. I'm curious to hear about some examples of how you've seen the content used or if you've seen anything like in your own social feed or in ads out in the world and been like, wow, cool. This was from the show us campaign. Yeah. We get very excited when that happens. Now the way it works with Getty, like we don't, we don't see its use. You know, we will, we put it out to the universe and people will like it. Um, And then when we come across it, you're like, yes. Um, Especially when it's used in a positive way. I almost was going to ask about that. I was like, if you work there, you're probably very well versed in the image library. So if you see something out in the wild, as you said, like, I feel like I would constantly want to snap a photo of it and send it to my colleagues. I mean, I do that now for brands we work with, but. I know I was watching um, a Netflix, the Modern Family. Modern Love. Modern Love. We love Modern Love. Yeah. So one of the opening shots is one of um, our editorial images. So I think I was sitting next to my daughter. I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's one of ours. You know, I noticed quite a few in there. So yeah, there are some moments that can be quite annoying with my family if I notice something. But it, it is, it is kind of cool. I love that you use that show as an example because there's a scene where she's in the grocery store in in Red Hook, recognize the fairway. And in the background is this German sparkling mineral water, which is like such an obscure product. And it's one of our clients. And I was like, oh, look, Gerolsteiner. So we did the exact same thing. Yeah. (laughs) Full circle. That's funny. I think I want to talk a little bit more about the grant program and how you're leveraging these these grants, really, to bring attention to other social and cultural issues. Yeah, I mean, it's really tied to the ethos of who we are at Getty. So we're very um, thoughtful in in the grants that we that we create. Um, Mm -hmm. So. 
We have um, the Show Us Grants is happening right now. We're also very conscious of our creative community now and making sure um, that they are working and taking care of. So we have a new grant um, that we launched recently to help support that. We feel a responsibility again to help um, bring new talent in, help support new creative and new voices. Um, and it's something that we do um, on a regular basis. I feel like there's a misconception about <laughs> stock photography yeah. being either like cheesy or impersonal. And it's really not. And like Jen mentioned earlier, it's like such a huge database. And hearing you talk about all these creators and where it's coming from, I think needs to be, be talked about yeah, more. Be talked about more. But I think there is really that stigma behind using stock photography. It's not authentic, blah, 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 blah. So Paige, I'd love your perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's our 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 mission is to kind of yeah. that perception, and I, and I felt that a little bit too um, when I came to Getty. Obviously, I'd used Getty from a marketing perspective. Mm -hmm, right. When I first came on board, I was really surprised of all the rigor and creativity and thoughtfulness that goes onto every image that's put on Getty Images. So we have we work with over three hundred thousand content creators around the globe. Wow. Um, and so we work with, I think it's like 80,000 exclusive photographers and we have a team of art directors on staff and what they do is they comb through the data at Getty. So we look at the searches. So we get a billion, over a billion searches a year, 400,000 downloads a year. And they look at this data and they're like, what are customers searching for? What are they looking for? Um, and then we look at what's happening in pop culture today and we start getting these trends that kind of come to the to the top. Um, what are people searching for? What are people looking for? And then we turn to our content creators and we educate them. We we tell them what to shoot, what we're looking for, what's happening. Um, and then for some of our really high touch uh, photographers and videographers, we give them very specific art direction. We get this content back and then we curate it. So we just don't get an image and stick it up on the site. We really curate it. And that's a mix of our editors along with AI of ranking and looking at different images and making sure that it is a more diverse group of images as well. And then once we curate it, we put it on the site and then it, it begins again and somebody clicks on it and then we <laughs> that cycle. So, you know, there's a lot of thought and creativity that is done into it. And we really are looking at, um, you know, giving them the tools to be authentic. So there's a lot of work and thought and we have data scientists, we have researchers, we have creative researchers, like we see changes in search too. Right. So we take this data and we share it with our, our content creators. Um, and then we also share it with our partners so that they see what's happening because at Getty, since we're dealing with creatives, we're searching for things before you see it on your social right. before you see it on the TV. So we kind of see these trends before they happen and, we, yeah. and we're constantly looking and yeah, you see what's happening in the world right now with coronavirus and a lot of people not having access to do their yeah. own shoots. And I saw a stat early in the days of quarantine about how AI recognized that there were less people being shown in like the photography on the internet yeah. during yeah. that time because it was limited with like what was, what we had with people being at home. And I remember doing a search for a stock photo within like the first week and it was an earth with a mask on. <laughs> and now you look and there's tons of amazing real photography of people working in their homes or wearing masks, wearing masks, yeah, yeah. spending time with their family. And it's changed so quickly. We saw in the beginning, it was very much about hand washing. 
And that was right. the trend. It was hand washing, hand washing. We had tons of images of password. Right now, um, the most popular trend we're seeing is online learning. Oh, that makes um, sense. Yeah. Now, some of the new themes are returning to work, lights turning on, businesses opening, donating blood. But we are seeing the trends and it is changing from week to week, which is really fascinating to look at how quickly that shifts. I am a sucker for such a good trend report. Like (laughs) I love reading trend reports. I'm not sure why. I'm just like, I really am interested in the data behind it all and the consumer behavior. And it's just interesting because you don't think, I mean, at least I didn't, and I could be ignorant here that there would be so much data stored behind these stock images. Like, of course, Jen, like, of course there are now that we're talking about it. But when you're first utilizing a platform like Getty to find stock for your marketing materials or your Instagram post, you're not like, oh, I wonder what type, what my search categories say about me type thing. It's kind of funny to think about all of that. Oh, I didn't think about that. Looking at reverse. What does this say about me? Um, (laughs) Yeah. Well, but you're searching for a brand most of the time. So that's, yeah. Uh, that's so funny. I'm going to go look you up. <laughs> um, I will share. We have a we have a new research study. Also, do the white paper. Um, oh, please do. Yeah, really on how the way visuals are impacting consumers and kind of some of these trends or forces we're seeing within it. And I'm like you. I'm a geek. I love the data. Um, I think the data helps bring the stories to life and what's relevant and keeps you informed. Yeah. You know, the phrase, a picture speaks a thousand words, cliche, (laughs) but we've been talking a lot about that from a social media perspective and thinking about um, even accessibility and adding alt text because social media is so reliant on photography now. And I'm curious how you think social media has changed the way that we tell these stories or interpret a photo or consume that piece of information as a whole? Yeah, it's had a huge impact um, on right, who gets to be celebrated. Yep. And celebrating these underrepresented, un- underrepresented moments, people in a way that they weren't before. And I think that's had a huge impact. I think the challenges on my visuals and visual choices are so much more important now um, is because we are so overwhelmed with images and choices. So it's finding the one that's going to really resonate mm-hmm. with who you want to reach and who you want to target. And we've been putting a lot of thought behind that, like finding that right video or image that's really going to resonate because we are inundated and overwhelmed and also right. have power. I talk about all the time, this idea of how fast social media moves and along with the emotion that goes into it, it's how fast the message can be retained by the viewer is like, how quickly are you communicating the concept that you want them to take and right. feel, which is so interesting to me. It goes back to the consumer behavior thing, but because well, we're scrolling so fast right, that you right. want a photo to get people to stop and make an impact and you want it to communicate what you're trying to communicate and be real, real. There's so many considerations now just to get someone to look at the photo. Yeah. It's, it's true. I mean, I think we're inundated. Um, I think it's like every eight seconds or something like like that. Um, I should look up the stat for you. I have it somewhere. Um, But I think it's also how you, how you really communicate is through the image. You can say so, so much more, as you said, an image is, is worth a thousand words. I think that's, even more true today because we're, mm-hmm. we're so quick and we're so moving. So you're you're not reading the copy. You are looking at the image or the video, um, and first. And I think it's 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 really interesting. And brands have to really think about what is important to their customer mm-hmm. when they're doing social, so you know what type of images are going to connect. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important to see, is it authentic? Does it feel, as I said, like this is my mother, my neighbor, my friend? Um, and just keep asking and challenging yourselves and being brave. We all have to be just a little bit braver. If we're all just a little bit braver um, in our in our choices and our images and reflecting the world as it is, I think we can affect the world. Absolutely. I, I feel like when you're coming up with ideas and brainstorming, people often say, throw away the first idea you had. <laughs> I feel like it's the same for choosing an image. Right. If it's the first thing you see, like, okay, save it, but keep digging, think a little harder, go a little deeper. Yeah. We have to be genuine. We have to be genuine in life. You have to be genuine in your work and you have to be genuine in your image choices. Paige, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great conversation. It was so fun. Thank you for having me. So I came out of that with an idea. Tell me about it. I really want to do an exercise with our creative team Mm. and Maybe it's like giving them a word or an idea and seeing what people pull from stock of like what they think represents that and kind of just comparing everyone's selections yeah, and how we interpret it and how we could do it differently and how we can push boundaries a little more like Paige said. Well, it's exactly what she was talking about, about looking at something through a different lens. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I mean, we have a very diverse creative team in general, so it would be interesting to see what everyone's perception is based on just a single prompt. In general, I was very impressed with how much data and insights Mm. are taken into consideration. Well, Getty does so much. Like, I don't think we realized before this interview all of the, you know, things that go into the back end over there. It's not just a database of stock image. Yeah. You know how at the end of every year, Google does like a year in search and and shares what people are searching for? I want that, but for Getty. Yes, me too. Okay, so moving into the social account we want you to follow this week. It's REI. I love REI. I do too. And what they're doing right now is really inspiring because in a time where people are spending so much time indoors, Mm -hmm. they're celebrating the outdoors. Yeah. Which they always do. They're an outdoor brand. Um, But what they're doing is kind of this Humans of New York style series where they're sharing some of their co-op members' best outdoor memories. Mm, So there's things like a bride and a groom who had an elopement on top of a mountain. (laughs) And there's a really cute photo. There's things like people's first camping trips. Um, But it's really just based in that like human emotion. Yeah, it's the celebration of the things we miss the most. Yep. And I think we talked at the top about travel in general, and I'm curious to see when people do start traveling and road tripping again, if there's more of an emphasis on the outdoors and nature instead of, you know, spending a lot of time in crowded resorts and stuff. Absolutely. I mean, I guess I'm getting myself to the Grand Canyon. Yep. It's going to (laughs) happen. Cool. That's all we have today, folks. Thanks for listening. All the social ladies, 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 now put your phones up.